0: Another Way to Play, episode 113. Every product under the sun is objectionable. It's too expensive, it's too big, it's too small, it's too old. I don't like where it's manufactured. I don't like the color. But what's not objectionable? Results. This is Rob Cornelis, author of the number one international bestseller, The Sales Game Changer, How to Become the Salesperson People Love. If you want to be a better persuader influencer, a better salesperson, then listen to Another Way to Play with my inspiring friend, Hans Struzina.
1: Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that your success in failure in life is determined by your ability to succeed and win when it comes to your mindset. Today's guest, you guys, is Rob Cornelis. He is the founder and CEO of Game Face Incorporated and the best-selling author of The Sales Game Changer, also host of The Game Face Exec's podcast. He has a great story to share with us around sales and around building relationships and being the kind of person that your clients and potential prospects want to hang out with and want to see because you help them achieve their outcomes. He started off selling season tickets to the Los Angeles Clippers when they weren't such a good team. There was a time actually when that was not a franchise that people wanted to go see. They wanted to go to the Los Angeles uh, Lakers. So. He realized pretty early on after getting door slammed in his face that he was going to have to take a different approach and realized that he wasn't selling tickets, he was selling an outcome. And when he really internalized that is when he really took off and developed a system and a process for sports teams to sell their season tickets and other things that just was revolutionary at the time. He's then obviously taken it into the business world on a much bigger scale. And we get into all of that in this episode. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. And when you get done with it, you get value out of this one, because I know you will head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review, because it does help me grow the show and gain some critical feedback. So I really, really appreciate that. And so without any further ado, let's get into it with Rob Cornelis. Rob, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you on. Thanks, Hans. Uh, I've
0: been looking forward to this conversation for a long time.
1: Well, likewise, you know, you, those of you who are not watching this, obviously live, um, you, uh, you have a really killer office, and I'm sure there's a lot of stories, just what I can see in that portion behind you. So I'm really excited to get into this with you.
0: Well, thank you. I've, uh, I've had a very blessed career, but I will tell you, it didn't start off that way. So maybe there's something that I can share that uh, might, might encourage your listeners.
1: Killer segue. I love it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you have going on now, and then we'll get into, into the the story here in just a sec.
0: Well, uh, recently, we uh, we just earned a number one bestseller status on Amazon, international bestselling book that I, I've completed called The Sales Game Changer, How to Become the Salesperson People Love, which obviously most people don't like salespeople. So I've taken uh, the experiences I've had over the last 25 years uh, running a company called Game Face Incorporated, and we were, and have been, the sales coach for the sports and entertainment industry for two and a half decades. And we have uh, parlayed that experience into working with a whole host of companies from a variety of disciplines all over the world. And, uh, and so this book is really a culmination of those experiences. Those observations, those uh, those success stories, and hopefully it's going to be helpful to, uh, to the people who who grab this book. And uh, I'm I'm really excited to share with them what I've learned over the years to make everybody who reads this book, the sales game changer, an absolute a salesperson that people love and are never never tired of getting phone calls from. Always want to do business with.
1: I love that. Well, interview's over, you just go get the book and you'll know everything there is to <laughs> just, I'm just joking. So let's back it up. And, and you've got a, a lot of experience. Obviously, this book is is just killing it right now. But let's talk about how you got there. Like, Where did your journey truly begin?
0: Well, first of all, like most people who end up in the sales world, I didn't really have an aspiration to be in that profession. In fact, growing up, Uh, very few of us sat around the kitchen table and mom and dad imploring us to get into sales, right? It's usually go to law school or get get your medical degree or, you know, but no one ever says, yeah, you ought to be a salesperson. And it's because it's such a maligned industry over the years. Now, a lot of it is justified, but most of it is not. And, And so I was one of those who never really had an ambition to get into sales, but, you know, sales got into me because I began to recognize as a young professional that selling, if done right, is nothing more than influencing, it is persuading, it is motivating, it's educating, it's inspiring people. That's what your podcast has done for all these, all these episodes that you've put together, Hans. You are an inspire, you're an influencer. And when I finally recognized that when sales is done properly, that's all it really is, it's really a noble profession, then it's something I didn't any longer avoid. And so my first real sales job was getting an opportunity. And I know not all of your listeners are necessarily sports fans, and that's okay. They'll, they'll still understand what I'm about to share. But I got a job selling corporate season tickets for the Los Angeles Clippers basketball team back in the early 1990s. Now, they were a terrible team. and Now, you're from California, Hans, so you probably are aware. The Clippers today are a really good team. Back then, you know, they were considered by Sports Illustrated the worst franchise in the history of all of sports. And my job was to sell their tickets in uh, in a very tough part of town, in a barn of an arena. and uh, And I thought it would be a fun job because I grew up liking basketball. And I soon discovered that nobody wanted to talk to me. They all wanted to talk to my competition, which was the L.A. Lakers or the L.A. Dodgers. And so I I struggled mightily.
1: And for context, are you talking about the uh, you were selling like box seats or whole sections out to companies and, and going to big, big volume sales kind of thing?
0: Hans, I'm selling anything I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. You want a bag of popcorn? I'll sell it to you, man. Yeah, it was, it was essentially box seats, corporate season tickets to families also. And as you just mentioned, the nonprofit organizations that buy a whole section, you know, for their school or for their club. And so that was my attempt to sell them anything. But I went months and could not, not make a single sale. And so I'm starving by now because it's a commission-only job, which I never should have taken in hindsight. But I did. But eventually, I figured it out, Hans. I figured out that people who are going to our games, and there were a few thousand when I joined the club. You know, these people are, are nuts who would, who would go to a Clippers game back in the early 90s. But, you know, I, I looked around and I noticed that the people who were coming were not coming because of my product. I know that sounds silly, but my product wasn't selling itself. Rather, they were coming because of the results they got from the product. So a family got quality time or memories or just better ways of communicating with each other away from the television. Or companies were getting results like camaraderie, teamwork, morale boosting productivity, if you will, because if they deform better relationships at night at a Clippers game, the next morning, they'll probably be better teammates and collaborators. Nonprofits were getting the result of community exposure, awareness. They were thanking volunteers. They were using our games as a recruitment tool to gather more volunteers, more members. And so when these things kind of came to me, not to mention, I would add, a lot of people use sporting events to win new clients or keep the clients they've got or to recruit good talent. When I finally recognized this, Hans, I realized I've been selling the wrong thing. I've been selling what we say in sports, X's and O's, W's and L's. And I, and I realized, no, I have to stop that. Instead, sell what people are looking for by which my product can deliver it to them the outcome that, that's most important to them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And when I finally figured that out, I immediately started to create sales records within the organization. That led to opportunities to go tell the rest of the teams in the NBA what I was doing. That eventually led to a business. And so for the last 24 years, 25 years, excuse me, my company GameFace, which I started in 1995, has been known as the sales coach for sports. And over the last 10 to 15 years we've taken that and we've we've now infiltrated all kinds of industries and shared with them the same principles and practices that we use with their favorite local sports team.
1: So if I'm listening to this as a as an audience member I'm like okay I'm nodding along like yeah it makes sense you sell benefits not features right like that whole concept but you're really talking about like the outcome that's because someone buys a ticket and goes to a game that seems like one thing like a path towards entertainment for lack of a better term I suppose but what you're really talking about is I'm taking this thing that people think they're buying and and telling them really there's these other benefits that you're going to get like productivity or like recruitment and and using that as the lead exactly and the vehicle is
0: just the ticket That's right. And so people would say, well, I'm not a basketball fan. I'm not a Clippers fan. And I'd say that you're missing the point. I'm not asking you to be a Clippers fan. If you don't like basketball, fine by me. See, I'm not trying to recruit another fan. I'm trying to represent to you that the LA Clippers basketball team, or you name your favorite sports team, collegiate or pro, we can be the vehicle, the resource, the tool by which you achieve the important daily outcomes you're already looking for. Now, we're not the only way to achieve it, but we think we're the best. We think we're the most fun, the most memorable, the one that will be most agreeable to your own family or friends or circle of clients. And we will be your partner in helping you achieve those important outcomes. And and so a lot of people say, well, I only go to sports for the entertainment. Well, I would respectfully say, no, that's not right, because a lot of games are boring. A lot of games, your team gets blown out by 30 points in basketball, or they lose by 12 runs in baseball. So why are you really going? You're going for a different type of outcome. And that's what I started to focus on. And people who weren't historically Clipper fans or even basketball fans, or for heaven's sakes, they weren't even sports fans. Began to trust me, and when they'd come to our venue, I would ensure that they they left with the result that they were looking for, and that's how I started to help sell out games.
1: So it's one thing to sell an idea and like this concept, like yeah, someone's like okay, fine, I'll, I'll I'll bring the company in, or we'll do some retreat thing, or we'll have a giveaway for our sales team, or what have you. But then, to your point, it's another thing to deliver so that they actually leave having known that you sold them or promised them something, and then, of course, delivered on it. So what were you doing in the actual arena when they would show up to make sure they got that experience?
0: That's a great question, and that's really another thing that differentiated us from the other local sports teams because they would sell you, and typically they would sell you on their product. Hey, this is the year. Hey, we just won a championship, said the L.A. Lakers. You know, you got to come and root for the best team on the planet. But you know what? That's all that they really cared about was the wins and losses. What we said is, if the team wins that night, fantastic, icing on the cake. If you become a fan of our team or our players, wonderful. Hang their poster in your bedroom. But what we're going to do when you're at the game is as your personal account executive, first of all, we're going to know when you come, before you come, what are the most important objectives you have for this season? Or for this month when you're coming to our games. And if you're not communicating that to us, we're gonna be proactive and come to you and ask that question. In other words, I I used to say to a lot of clients when you bring one of your top prospects to a game, you better let me know because I'm gonna meet you at your seats and I, with you, we're gonna impress the heck out of your client. We're gonna make your client understand that you're a player in this market, that your company, is one of the most successful they could do business with. We're, we are indeed your partner at the game so that you walk out of the building that night having secured the deal or having recruited that good talent or having given your grandchild uh, a memory they will never forget and you'll be talking about every Thanksgiving dinner. So that's the kind of partnership we employed. So not only is the sale important, but I think you're also touching on this, Hans, the fulfillment of the promise made is absolutely critical. Too often, salespeople make promises they either can't or have no intention of fulfilling. Well, good sales being a sales game changer is not only being able to recognize what the result is they want, and then working with them to achieve it using your product or service.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. Can you just cause I'm, I'm interested and I'm sure someone listening is, can you give us an example of something that you might do when someone would show up and how you would actually fulfill on that? Cause I can picture it like someone's sitting there with their prospect, the games kind of, they're doing the pregame with the trampolines and the backflipping dunkers and all that stuff. And then like you show up like to do something like, what are those things that you were doing that were working and helping your clients achieve their goals?
0: there were many things as you can imagine. And yes, the trampoline and the dunks, uh, you know, and the half court shots between timeouts, that was preoccupation, right? That was just kind of to keep people generally amused and entertained and engaged. But where it really made a difference is when I and my client would in advance determine a time during the game, during a timeout, between periods, when I and or my staff we'd visit them at their seat, perhaps with a little gift bag for their client on behalf of their company. So if you are the prospect, Hans, and you're sitting with John, who is the the season ticket holder of the Clippers, I would show up at the seat with you and John and I would say, Hans, my name is Rob Cornelis. John's told me a lot about you. On behalf of his company and the LA Clippers, we want to welcome you to our arena tonight. We hope you're having a fantastic time. And John wanted me to present this to you as a thank you for you being here with him tonight. So I'd give you a gift bag or I'd give you my business card. And I would say, Hans, if I could be helpful to your business because of your relationship with John, you give me a call directly and I'd be happy to take care of you and your prospects or your clients or your employees on any given night this season. Or we might meet you for a pregame dinner in one of the club sections of the building and do the same type of thing. And then I would also follow up with John after the game. And I would work with John to make sure that we could, as a good partner, assist him in whatever way he felt was appropriate in making sure that you, who said when you exited the building, yeah, John, I'm interested. I'm not quite sure yet if we're ready to do the deal with you. Well, maybe the Clippers could help close the deal for him. And, you know, we'd also train our season ticket holders, even before the season started, how to map out every game so that no game was a wasted opportunity. So if you have a sales force of 10 people, and let's say, for the, let's say you're a baseball team, you have 80 games, as an example, every salesperson should have eight games that they are personally responsible for. Even if they don't like baseball, it's irrelevant. The game is, the, the event is not a sporting event, it's a business meeting. So how are each of those 10 salespeople going to use their eight games to strategically get a business outcome for their for their company? And we'd work with them to map out and plan that season in advance. By the way, for any of your listeners who have had season tickets to a sporting event, one of their biggest complaints is I couldn't use all my games. Using our approach, we never heard that because we would we would strategize well before opening night and therefore never a game went wasted and in fact people would get their money's worth from our games you know just a few games into the season because they're already closing business or winning big big accounts or recruiting good talent and we used to always say to our clients after two or three games they've already earned back their investment i'd say to them jokingly hey by the way the rest of the season is free because you've already earned back the investment
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's so much there and I, and I can really start to picture what you guys are doing in the interest of hearing more about where you went after the Clippers. um, When did you realize that you were onto something and then how did you branch out on your own and and how did that look in the early days, especially?
0: Well, again, I, my, my, I had to change my mindset because my mindset was initially sell the product. And that wasn't working for me. And so I'm sure many of your listeners are working for a company right now and they probably feel they have very little to do with the product. It is what it is. Just get out there and sell something, they're told by their boss. Well, the mindset I began to develop was, no, look, I know the product is what it is, but I can determine the outcome from the product more than perhaps I've given myself credit for. So once I made that change in my mind, I, as I said, I began to sell at a record pace. I was then given the opportunity to go share that, that way of selling, specific approach that we were using, which I'm just talking generally about now, to other teams in the league. And then that off, that lent itself to uh, traveling around to other sports teams with other, other sports. And finally, I figured out there's a business in this. And so within the first few years of our business, I'm spending about 42 to 45 weeks of the year on the road just visiting sports team after sports team, even working internationally. Because we had invented a new market for the sports industry. We then saw that that what we were doing with teams was extremely transferable to retail stores, or to hospitality, or to professional services, financial services, banks, law firms consulting companies or firms, even manufacturing companies. And so uh, we were being recommended to those types of industries and companies from our sports team clients who, by the way, those are their clients. And, uh, and so we, we were being told by our sports team clients, you know, I've got a manufacturing friend. I've got a friend who works in oil and gas. This approach would work perfectly for them that led to introductions, and that's when GameFace began to expand to all these other industries. And so while our story starts in sports, it doesn't end in sports. And so it's fun because our non-sports clients, not every one of them, but many of them, they like sports. They love to use sports analogies when working with their own teams. They love to um, talk about sports stories to try to motivate their crew. Well, at Game Face, we don't have to make any of that up. We can tell them actual experiences we've had working with 300 sports teams around the world, probably one in their very market, maybe multiple teams in their market, and we can say, this is how we help them overcome this sales challenge. Now let's adopt it to your manufacturing company or your tech business. And that's where we're at today at Game Face. And that's why the the, uh, publication of the Sales Game Changer is our way of really giving giving out the word to all markets in all the industries.
1: What is is one of the biggest things? Like if someone's so, again sort of nodding along, and like I, I see where you're going with this, but like how how do I start to sink my teeth into this and actually? pull what you're talking about into practice like how what is the sort of a mindset thing that someone could start adjusting and and send them in a different direction relative to the sales and the approach that you've been talking to us for the last handful of minutes about
0: a couple of things come to mind hans first of all just the approach you use when approaching a prospect most of the time we as salespeople are really good at an elevator pitch We're really good at being able to pitch our product straight away. And why do we do that? Well, first of all, it's what we're most comfortable talking about. Um, We know our product backwards and forwards. And so it's comfortable to be able to talk about that which you know well. It's uncomfortable when you walk into a conversation and you don't know which direction it's going to go. So... um, what we do is our approach to, um, to starting a, a conversation or a new engagement, whether it's email or a phone call, a voicemail, or a Zoom, like what, what, what you know many people are doing today, is we teach a new approach of starting that interaction. We don't focus on our product. Our opening line is a focus on the results our product brings. By doing that, here's what happens you begin to shatter the eventual objections that most salespeople face immediately. Because what is an objection? An objection is, we define it many ways at Game Face. Let me give you a couple of quick uh, definitions. An objection, first of all, is their way of saying, you don't get me. You don't understand the results or outcome I'm looking for. All you're trying to do is pitch me your product. I did not wake up today wondering if someone who has your product was going to call my office. I did wake up today wondering, how am I going to get a new account? How am I going to retain my good talent? How am I going to motivate my people? Or if I'm an individual, how am I going to, how am I going to save money? How am I going to save time? So what we do is we say to, our, to the people that we train and consult and advise, We help them understand you have to change your mindset going into every phone call, every new interaction. Don't focus on the product because that's objectionable. No offense to your product, but every product under the sun is objectionable. It's too expensive. It's too big. It's too small. It's too old. I don't like where it's manufactured. I don't like the color. But what's not objectionable? Results. Focus on the results. And so we craft the opening of every conversation with our clients so that someone cannot say, I'm not interested. In fact, they'll say the opposite. Hmm. I'm intrigued. Hmm. Tell me more. Another thought that comes to mind is, and by the way, another, uh, another definition of objection, an objection is a sign not only that you don't get me, but it also is a sign that you don't understand me. And there's a difference. When someone says they give an objection after you've given a great pitch or proposal, what they're saying is, you know what, if you would have listened to me more, if you would have asked me better questions, you would have recognized that's not the product for me. I'm looking for a different solution. So what we focus on in our trainings is how to identify the solution or the answer that the person is looking for even before they met you. And that comes through provocative, thoughtful questions that don't make it feel like someone's being interrogated, but they feel like you would if you went into a doctor's office and the person, that doctor has a bedside manner. You feel comfortable talking to them. In fact, you want to share them with them more than they even asked for. So we have techniques for that. Another, and I'll give you one quick, one additional, and stop me because I could keep going, but one additional change in the mindset, we don't call closing, closing. Because if you think about it, if you closed a, a prospect, you're essentially saying into your brain and subliminally to the prospect who's now your client or your customer, this relationship is over. It was simply a transaction. So cha-ching, I'm out of here. I got your dollar, I got my commish, I'm gone. Instead, we call that process and that step in the process opening. It's the opening of a relationship. It's not the close of anything. Because the reality is, and here's the dichotomy of sales: when the buyer says yes. For them, that's not the end of anything. It's the beginning of everything. More specifically, it's the beginning of when they expect results to start happening through your product and service. So we work with our our clients to help them understand, stop closing. And stop talking about, hey, did you close them? Hey, give me a good close technique right now. No, 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 no. We'll talk about how to open a relationship and and i would say that you know when when we're asked and we're asked we've been asked this for years by sales managers who are well intentioned hey can you come in and teach our people 101 ways to close a sale and i just kind of chuckle under my breath and i say sure we'll do that but when we get there we help them understand we're not helping you close a sale we're helping you open up a relationship and here are the techniques that will do it
1: yeah i love that i think as I'm sort of just re- listening to you talk and reflect on my own real estate sales, like our business is somewhat unique and I can represent this by like all the CRMs we've tried who, you know, you have the workflows of like where they're at and it always ends in closed. But in, in our real estate transaction, it's like you, you secure a client and they agree to work with you, whether it's on the buyer or the sell side. And that's just the beginning because now you have to search and line up financing and write offers or prep their house for sale or you know, show it and yada, yada, yada. So there's this whole other thing until you can actually close the transaction. But by then, it's this huge relationship that you've taken months and months of time to get to know one another. And that's another huge pitfall in my industry is people then close that deal after months and months, and then they forget about that human being f- until 11 or 12 years later when they need to go transact again. Right. And so I, I love the analogy you're bringing of opening the relationship because it's, it's so critical. I mean, that's how you build big uh, databases and wonderful referral partners.
0: Yeah. Well, you just, you just brought up another word, Hans, the word referral in, in real estate, in really any business. Like, for example, just today, I referred a relative to a doctor. Why did I refer them to that doctor? Because I had a good experience with that doctor. I trust them. They had that bedside manner that I appreciate, right? And, and that I, I, I search for. Well, that, but the uh, whole idea about referrals is another change in mindset that Game Face, the company that I started, that we try to impress upon our clients. Getting a referral is not a self-serving act. If done properly, getting a referral is A, another way of producing results for your client, and B, it's a way to help them help someone else. And so I never feel guilty for for asking for a referral because I know I'm helping two people by doing so. Now, granted, you, you can ask in a selfish manner. You can make it sound like it's all about you and you're trying to win salesman of the week. And, hey, I need one more cell. Do you have anybody I should call? And so there's, again, technique around our approach. I'll give you one quick example. We don't say, so do you know anyone who might be interested? Just that question right there, we, we eradicate from our vocabulary. Why? Because the word interested is a commitment word. When someone hears that word, you know, if you'll excuse the example, Hans, so if I could get that for you, you know, in a blue, you think you might be dri- interested in driving off a lot tonight? Well, I know if I say yes to the word interested, you got me. It's a trap. And so I immediately recoil from the words like, uh, you know, okay, here it, is, here it comes again. So here's the other way. Here's the better way. Do you know anyone who would consider? See, consider is not a commitment word. In fact, I'll even use it more directly. Um, I would ask you, Hans, have you ever considered, when I'm talking to you as a new prospect, have you ever considered, when I ask you that question, there's two possible answers, either yes or no. Yes, I've considered it. But my natural follow-up question would be, great, where did you land on it? And why did you come to that decision? Or you'll say, no, I've never considered it. Well, that's a perfect opening for me. So I use the word considered as opposed, to the word, as opposed to the word interested. And also, when it comes to referrals, instead of saying, do you know anyone who might be interested, I would say this. Do you know anyone who might appreciate getting the same information I've provided you? Now, I'd be more specific in that question, and I, we don't have time right now to get into the specific technique, but the word appreciate is harder to say no to. No, I don't know anyone who would appreciate a good doctor. No, I don't know anyone who would appreciate a good real estate agent, you see? But are they interested in a a real estate agent? Nah, not not, not, not now, not really. But would I appreciate one? Hard to say no to. So we spend a lot of time on word usage, like opening versus closing, results versus product consider or appreciate versus interested and the list goes on in the work that we do with our folks
1: this is gold man I, I rob i really appreciate this you've you've really it just helped me kind of reconsider some of the words that i use even in my and i and i try and be careful about that a lot of those things but you're giving me a whole bunch of stuff and i'm sure the audience is is nodding along with me here because this is awesome so i appreciate you walking us through all of that Um. Because I want to respect the rest of your day and the rest of your time, I do want to transition us here to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Hit me. You've already talked about your book, and maybe this is the answer, but what book have you gifted most often?
0: And by the way, I did not get these questions in advance so that your audience knows. So this is all very spontaneous. And if you did send it to me in advance... I didn't see it, so. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it fun, though. So let's, let's see. Let's see what happens here. I would say The Speed of Trust mm. by Stephen M. R. Covey. Came out in 2008, and he's recently uh, reprinted a second edition. He actually was, uh, he's actually a friend of mine, and frankly, a mentor of mine. I've known him for years. But The Speed of Trust, an absolutely critical book for anyone who cares about relationships. If you could get an hour of somebody's time past or
1: present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why?
0: Abraham Lincoln, because he faced such odds, he failed many times in his life before he became president. And then once he was president, it probably wasn't what he signed up for. So the odds that, uh, were, that were against him and the challenges and trials and the opposition, I mean, he had an entire half of his nation working against his interests. And yet he was, for the most part, able to not only reconcile, but bring, bring, bring peace to a very troubled nation. And uh, unlike we've ever seen in our country's history. And I think we could use that today.
1: What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on?
0: It's who you know. Hmm. I don't believe it's who you know. I believe it's what you can do. I think that's the difference maker. I will agree that who you know gets you in the door, maybe gets you an informational interview, maybe gets you a nice 15-minute conversation on the phone. But what you can do is what will get you the job. Agreed. I love it. Give us a glimpse of your morning
1: routine. How do you like to start your day?
0: I appreciate that question because it's personal, and I'm willing to share that with your your audience because I would appreciate someone doing it for me. I spend the first 30 minutes of my day in a spiritual activity, whether it be meditation, prayer, reading the good book, Uh, That's very important to me. It provides me perspective, comfort, hope, and also motivates me to remember that when I go out in the world today, that I have a good model to follow. And then um, once I go through that mental and spiritual exercise, I immediately get on my horse and go do the physical exercise. So I love to run. I love to uh, swim. I love to, I'm getting more into cycling. And then uh, though your viewers would never believe it if they saw me, but I also like to hit the weight room.
1: That's fantastic. Rob, this, this has been so great. Thank you for being on the show today. Uh, what is the best place that the audience can connect with you and find your book?
0: Thank you. Uh, certainly go to um, our website, gamefaceinc.com. That's gamefaceinc.com. A lot of information there about gameface and our book. Where to find it? You can also find my own podcast and our blog page. I hope they'll link, uh, link in, uh, excuse me, connect with me on LinkedIn, Rob Cornilis. Uh, it's a fantastic way for us to begin communications as well.
1: Well, Rob, uh, I'm going to link up to all of that down in the show notes so people can easily find it there. And really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything you, that you did today. I'm really glad to know you and glad to have this had this time with you. And uh, thanks again for for being here.
0: It's been my pleasure, Hans, and thanks again for all that you bring to our world with all the great insights and the the fantastic guests you have on your podcast.
1: I appreciate that. And with that, we'll log it off. So thanks for being here. Talk soon.
0: And that's a wrap for today.
1: Guys, if you want to get to know Rob, head over to LinkedIn. He's pretty active over there. And uh, that's the number one social media place to check him out. You can also go to Game Face Inc. That's GameFaceInc.com to learn more about his company, his philosophy, and obviously check out his book. That's all down in the show notes, so you can check him out there along with me. I'm down in the show notes, Instagram at Chief Snaw. So uh, go uh, over there, show me some love on that side. I'd love to hear from you on Instagram. And if you're getting value out of this show please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review because it really helps me grow the show and gain a ton of feedback, which I do read and try and implement to the show. So thanks in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and wrap it up for today. This is Hans Struzina host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last.